Welcome to this episode of Tap Into College Golf. I'm your host, Brandy Jackson, founder of Brandy Jackson Golf, where young female golfers can come join the team in search of coaching, consulting, mentorship, and guidance on all things junior golf related, and of course, the college recruiting process. There's also access to an online course, or if you're looking for some fun girls golf lifestyle apparel, even added that to the collection last year. So be sure to go check out www.brandyjacksongolf.com. That's Brandy with an I. For those who have been following and listening to the Tap Into College Golf podcast, you know how excited I've been to be able to sit down with my college coach, Mick Potter, who is at the University of Alabama, and just dive into our coach-player relationship, what we have both learned and, and grown over the years, and just so excited that he took the time to sit down with me, uh, went and joined him down in Tuscaloosa, and we just had had a great time catching up, and I just have so much respect for, we always called him Mick, uh, to call him by his first name is in no way a lack of respect there, because the things Mick has done for just collegiate golf and his track record just speaks for itself. He's had 38 All-Americans under his belt. He's had 21 players go on to play on the LPGA Tour. I was fortunate to be one of those 21 who had some LPGA Tour time out there. And so much of that uh, just contributes back to what, you know, what Coach Potter did for me and my time at Furman. And, you know, he's he's continued that tradition there at, at Alabama. They've been to 13 straight NCAA championships, won the NCAA championship back in 2012. So he just continues to just, um, you know, produce great players and, and great teams and just do so much for the game of golf and did so much for me and, and my game and, and just my time at Furman and will forever be grateful for him taking a chance on me and, and helping me kind of combine some golf scholarship with academic and need-based money so that I was able to go to Furman on a full ride, uh, maybe in a little bit of an unconventional way, but it, it certainly was the turning point in my golf career and, and just so much that I give back uh, the credit to, to what Mick did and, and what he did with my game and it just helped me grow as a player and a person and just grateful for him to sit down and talk to me about that and, and share some insights about his college uh, coaching career and you know how he works with players and what he sees be successful and, and what it takes to play at that next level. So enjoy joining in on our conversation. Obviously, this is... Um an episode I've been excited to do for all those who've been listening, who hear my like seminars and stories. A lot of times I reference, um, you know, my coach, which is who I'm sitting here with, uh, Mick Potter down here at the university of Alabama, not exactly where we spend all our time together, but, um, excited to be able to be here with you and do this. Like I said, I've talked a lot about it. Um, I've joked that we might need a therapist to sit in here with us to like help maybe mediate some of the, um, some of the things, but thanks so much for joining me. I'm um, just excited to have you on with well, me today. Thank you for driving all the way down here to do yes. this. Yes. Um, and, it, and it is an honor and, and privilege that you thought of me. And notwithstanding, you have your, your name on your cup. So you, <laughs> I guess I well, you can't beat that. It's better. I figured I probably shouldn't bring my Clemson Tiger cup with me. Better, um, better you don't. That's yeah. usually my travel cup, but I decided that I might not should bring that in here to, to an Alabama Um Sore subject this year. Yeah, well, I think that's a sore subject for both of us this year. So, (laughs) So, obviously, it's been, I was thinking, I think it's 20 years. I started school just in 99, so we're right at like 20 years since um, 
since we first became coach and player. Um, so I always want to talk a little bit about, you know, that kind of obviously the recruiting process in general has changed and, and everybody on here kind of knows that um, don't get too much in the recruiting process, but this is one time I can talk about it a little bit because we went through the process together. And while it's totally different, obviously you and I both, you know, have, have changed our philosophies as people and players and coaches and everything. Um, we want to hit on a few of the things that kind of went through the process with me. Um, and then also obviously you've had, you know, a ton of success, both at the collegiate level and then the, the players going on to play, um, you know, play out on the LPJ tour. You know, we were talking about it before we started. Um, we think we counted up 21 former players who've gone on to have LPGA status, um, which is just, you know, crazy, um, crazy to think of. Um, and probably it's been what, 37 years now. Is that all right that you're on? Uh, I just say 35 now, okay. but that's um, close. Yeah, okay. I think probably the 37th. Okay, I yeah. think that's right. I was trying to do a little bit of homework. You were at, uh, I guess, at Furman for 22, and this should be, I think, maybe your 15th, 15th. season here. Yeah. yeah, all right. So um, pretty impressive, obviously, which even before, you know, early into some of that or about halfway through that, I guess, was when I kind of came along and, and wanted to come play for you. Um, and... So I guess probably one of the first things just to kind of talk a little bit, and this is actually something I get asked a little bit because I know we, um, I was not the top ranked player, you know, coming through from an obviously top ranked program. You could recruit some of the best players in the country. Um, at that time, we actually had the number one player come in with me as a, as a freshman. So not necessarily specific to, like I said, to me, but one thing I get asked, and I think it's a good way to kind of kick this off is how do you kind of tell the difference between somebody who, has a little bit more of that future potential as opposed to somebody right there on paper that has maybe the better current resume. Cause I know we had three situations of the three freshmen who came in me, um, to me and then Sarah, who's up the street, um, at Birmingham that, um, gave me a hard time if I don't stop and see her tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but kind of tell me a little bit about your thought process with that, I guess. We'll just dive into that first. Well, at Furman, uh, my first priority was looking for good athletes that I could help get better. Mm-hmm. And, also good students. I mean, the academic requirements at, at Furman are pretty stringent, not only for entrance, but mm-hmm. to maintain and and do a good job academically. So the the demogra- demographic got cut kind of mm-hmm. maybe by 75% in the recruiting yeah. process. Um, but, you know, I always have believed in the ability to hit the ball hard. Mm-hmm. And I always think that's an advantage. Um, so I, I looked for athleticism and, you know, maybe a few things we could refine here and there um, to make someone like you a, a, a better player. And, I, and I, as I recall, like you had a really weak grip I don't yeah, coming in and then, you know, just strengthening your grip a little bit yeah. helped your ball flight to be more penetrating, just little things like that. Um, and, and culture has always been pretty important to me, like who fits, who doesn't. Um, how are, how are the team? How's the team going to interact mm-hmm. and um, travel together? I mean, yeah. it's like a sorority, so everybody has to have some sort of respect for everybody else. Yeah. Uh, so so we looked for that. Now, you know, experience is the best educator, and those were kind of vague points for, to me early on. Mm-hmm. Um, they become a lot more refined now. It, you know the the pressure to, to win at a high level is more here. And and so we've got to do a better job of making sure we put together the best best team possible. 
that well I, I kind of what you said the, the culture to a team I know and like I said the whole point in them doing this everybody who listens and hears my stuff I'm pretty honest about the the ups and downs of, of my life and my golf career and not this living with regrets kind of thing it, it's not that it's just having learned from the mistakes and and all I can do now is do better but you talked a little bit about kind of the, the culture there and I know our team was a it was a big mix of of um different approaches to the game I mean I and I will be brutally honest I had a player um, we had one of the better players on our team who found out later on flat out said she did not respect me in my game and I can mm-hmm. remember being like oh she's just mad because I you know had a better year than her and I remember thinking that but I look back and and totally to be honest I don't blame her I mean I, I've written a story about how I you know didn't get picked to be the captain my senior year even though I was the best player and I, you know, I get that at the time, you know, you, you don't really see it for all that. Um, you know, when that comment was made, I, like I said, I remember, um, it was way after the fact, it was after we were done. And, but the, the truth is I, I, I get it. I mean, to a degree, you know, there was just a, a difference in, like you said, every player has a different, um, a different personality, a different way to approach the game. So you can't make everybody fit that mold. Mm-hmm. But you, at the same time, you do have to have that mutual respect and that mutual respect between players and between you and players. So I guess it's it kind of leads into another thing for us to, to kind of talk about with that is kind of – because I think that's a little bit of where that was because we had some of the players I think you had on the team didn't quite fit my way of approaching the game, which might have been a little um, – lackadaisical and I'm sure there's a lot of words there for it but how is the difference between you know you having to adapt to players um you know and trying to treat them all differently and individually as opposed to trying to get them to adapt to your way of things and the way you expect the team and the culture to be where is that kind of middle ground of that well so you had an experience of being on maybe one of the most diverse teams I've ever seen so there's nothing wrong with diversity like I I don't want everybody to be the same. Respect is the key, mm-hmm. though. So could you have been better? Yeah, you could have been better. You, could you have worked harder? Maybe. Would you have gotten better by working harder? I'm not so sure. Well, see, I think for me, and only because I know you and I talked a bit, I think for me, and I say this a good bit, that no, I didn't need to sit there and hit more golf. You know, And I think that's what you understood about me as a player mm-hmm. was that you didn't need. I didn't need to be sitting there hitting golf balls on, you know, tons of golf balls on the range and doing all this with my golf swing. I didn't need to be doing that, but I did need to put a little more effort in for me. It was a little bit more of my discipline off the golf course. I think that it held me mm-hmm. back. And again, it's, it's a lot of what I talk about with it that I think for me, it was the lack of structure and discipline for a lot of other things. It wasn't so much that I needed to adapt to everybody else on the team's way of practicing mm-hmm. necessarily, but maybe learn some better ways to, especially since I had plans of playing professionally, that this is not, you know, an ideal way to live your day in and day out life, nutrition and and fitness and staying out, staying out late and being worried about boys and drama, like probably not the best path in terms of, yeah, Yeah. there was, there was a little (laughs) bit of that, which again, I don't um, in no way um, shy away from the the mistakes and the, the choices I made. So I think for me, some of that was more of, I think that's where some of the lack of respect I think came from too. And I, again, totally get it I just think for me I just didn't know I didn't know any better I had great parents and, and awesome parents I just didn't think any better I didn't have the direction or whatever but well I don't you know the first thing I would say is I don't think it's up to a teammate to decide that yeah. um and and really you know I could have told you till I was blue in the face but now you know yeah. right because yeah. experience will mm-hmm. teach you um 
So if I, if I were just to refer to your golf game, I'd say, you know, the understanding of how important short game is to a career in golf, I think sometimes it's, it's hard to impress on, um, young ladies Mm -hmm. at a college age, uh, how good you have to be. And, you know, I like our girls to look at it in terms of they can't hide a flagstick from me. I, I got a shot to get it there. I don't think they understand how good how well you need to putt mm-hmm. um and, and I, a former Furman and Alabama player Jenny Sue uh, when she retired she came came by and we had lunch with my assistant Susan Rosensteel and um so I said you know really at the bottom of it why are you retiring why were you not as successful on the LPJ tour as you were in college in amateur golf and she said it's just the the idea of having to make putts under pressure, and I just didn't make enough of them. She said, and people are going to say if they were to you were to ask them this question about me that I didn't hit it long enough. She yeah. said I can hit my hybrid straighter than most people hit their wedges, so that didn't really matter. But she said you've got to make the putts. Yeah. So I think as a college golfer, if you go into your practice every day saying, okay, what can I do to when the world is crashing down around me mm-hmm. to make a five-foot putt? And so I, I talk often about Brooke Pancake, mm-hmm. uh, who played the LPGA Tour and graduated from, from Alabama and was also a lead 88 award winner, which is the highest grade point average at the national championship. So, And this girl had it all, but what she did and people didn't see was every day she came in and she had – two tracks and she had a string line over the target line and she had two coke bottles to put the ball in between for 30 minutes every day for three years so when we got to the national national championship and she's the last player out there and she she hit two kind of shaky shots um so she, she ended up hitting a great sandwich to a par five but the great sandwich is 50 feet away from the hole um, and had to two-putt for us to win the national championship, and she putted it, and it looked really good, and it went five feet past. And so if she makes it, we win. Yeah. So even though Stephanie Meadow was on the team, who was a great putter, I trusted Brooke more than anybody in the world to make that putt because I knew what she had done to prepare. Yeah. So that kind of knowledge I think is important if you're willing to listen and – you know, everybody's not will- willing to listen. Part. Well, they're not. They're not willing to listen soon enough. Yes. Sometimes, yes. let's put it that way. Yes. Um, yeah. So, developing the understanding of, of how important that is, and and so when you recruit, you you kind of do your hopefully do your due diligence, and you you figure out who's who wants that, mm-hmm. who's willing to do that. Now, and we've talked about this. I mean, your your experience to me, changed the way I coached because I always thought it had to be my way. But then, you know, I never will forget being at North Carolina and you you had your first bogey-free round of 69. The day before, you'd worn a new pair of shoes and you played terribly. And then you went back to your old shoes and you did that. So I'm like, okay, there's all these little (laughs) things that make a difference And not only, I mean, not just physical, mm-hmm. not just the shoes, but 
I mean, you function different than Sarah functioned and, and Sarah functioned a lot different than Simi functioned. Yeah. And so I, at that time, I realized this is a pretty individual game. Yeah. And, you know, our job and, and here, I mean, we have the resources to do it. Like, what do they need physically in terms of training? What do they need technically in terms of training? What do they need nutritionally? Yeah. Sleep and take each girl and you figure out what works best what works best for them. So, you know, do you come to practice and do the exact same drills every day? No. And yeah. I used to think you did. Yeah. Um, we we talk a lot individually about what they think they need to do and we blend what I think and what they think. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than just being what they, yeah. I think. Um and well, I do remember what conversation we had, and this is one that, that comes up to me was, and I think in the, the Hall of Fame write-up, you, I had to mention it somewhere else, of talked about goal setting, and I remember just basically saying, well, I don't have any goals. I just want to play and practice and get better. So I don't remember what it was. I would never want to set, like, goals. And mm-hmm. I struggle with it even within my business. Like, I had a business coach kind of early on who'd want me to set, like, um, income goals or whatever. And I'm like, I just, you know, for one, I don't want it to be about, you know, how much money can I make doing this? Or I don't want to feel like I've got to take on this client just to hit that goal or whatever. So I've kind of continued to be the same way, but have tried to adapt a little better uh-huh. daily practice to getting there. Well, but. yeah. So, you know, obviously we want to compete for the SEC and the national yeah. championship every year, but just, I mean, so many people are willing to state that, mm-hmm. but not do the work. Not do, yeah. So our our philosophy is all about process. Yeah. You know what's what's Kenzie's process and Angie's process and Polly's and you know whoever else is is on the team. What do they need to do to be their best? And it's it's vastly different if you really analyze it properly. Um, how they when they come drive in here today, what each one of them should be doing is probably different. Yeah. 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 Well, um, it's, uh, I said that, that the whole, and I know goal setting, I know you mentioned it as well about, you know, the different resources I know. And that's one reason a lot of the stories I write and some people will send me notes and say, you know, uh, making it almost seem like I have like these regrets or whatever. And, and I always say it's not that it's not me sitting there, you know, I can't sleep at night thinking about, you know, what I should have done and what I could have been. It's, it's no way that because there wasn't a lot of, information and resources and as much back then I mean we had it we had it great you know at Furman we had a lot but you didn't have as much of the knowledge you didn't you know you weren't expected to be to a certain level when you got to college you know you the the course management and nutrition and and strength training and all that none of that was there for junior golf and so now there's a higher expectation but there's also more resources there there's more you almost don't have as much of an excuse to to be so far behind or when you get there to not have the things that you need um and you know same thing even with like goal setting you know things have changed since then of people you know you've got vision 54 focuses so much on the process and i'm like see this whole time i just i had that in my mind it's just they finally put it on paper for what like my thought process was <laughs> but just getting you know again just getting down to kind of that process of of what you're doing every day and and you know having the resources and having the you know the the knowledge and the you know, just everything that's there a lot more to where there's not as many excuses. And I said not to go back and yeah. say that was the reason that I didn't have, you know, better success or whatever. It wasn't that, but there's not as much of, you know, that excuse, I guess, now. Well, I mean, 
there's never an excuse because if you want to badly enough you figure out a way right so you know people look at our our practice facility and say well we need to you know we need this and we need this and so and so has this well justin thomas is doing pretty well yeah you know so he accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish here and you know in your case you got to the you finalists in the Mm -hmm. usam you got to the lpga tour and sometimes you just need to get there to realize maybe it's not for you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you wanted to, you probably could have stuck with it and said, hey, hey what do I need to do to win out here? Yeah. It's not for everybody. Yeah. You know, so if, if so, if you were on my team now, we just spend a lot more time actually talking about what you did need to do and how you needed to do it to make you yeah. comfortable with the process of improving. Well, it's, it's what you said, you know, is I would not be, I wouldn't be where I am now if I had not honestly started my business and done what I did. So I can't sit here. And, I, and again, that's why I don't have regrets because I couldn't be the person I was in college or out on tour for who I am now. I'm just glad that I have had the opportunity to learn and change and adjust and, and do better and, and try to keep getting better. I mean, I feel like I always say, well, everybody does that. Everybody grows up. And then sometimes I see some people and I was like, you know, I guess not everybody actually really does like well, not everybody get better, you know. Not everybody would have the wherewithal to, to do the things it's taken you to, to yeah. start your own business and um, grow it and yeah. show progress. And um, so, you know, everything leads to that point, yeah. right? Yeah. There that, are all those yeah. experiences. Do I wish I could be who I am now and be on tour just to see what would happen or go back to college? Of course, yes. But it's all of those steps that has me where I am now, doing what I am now. So that's where, again, there's no fault or no blame for, you know, well, if you know, if you as my college coach might have made me do this and this, or if I had been a player who didn't do this and this, you know, that that's not, you know, that's not what the whole point in this or, you know, what I look back on it. There's no grudges. There's no like mistakes. It's, it's none of that. It's just all become, you know, a huge like learning lesson. And I'm just lucky that I didn't go to jail or end up on the side <laughs> of the street or anything like that through the whole process, because we know that very well could have happened at sometimes. Um, well, if I had to come get you out of jail, we would have had We would have been in trouble. I know. <laughs> yes. I said, I do knock on wood that in, in all of that time, there was nothing crazy, too crazy for it. Um, well, I guess let's, let's backtrack a little and then we're going to kind of get into just a little bit more about, um, kind of the actual collegiate golf and, and some of the success of that. But one thing that, um, I do want to talk about, we talked about a little bit and I'm almost every, um, seminar or story that I tell is, um, you know, I get asked a lot of actually been asked a couple of times lately about players, you know, when coaches are watching them and they get nervous and they know they're not playing the game that they're capable of. And then they you know, they get mad because somebody else have had a player who had that happen. And then like the next week the coach offered another girl. And so of course they're just beating themselves up and they're thinking, you know, well, that's not what they didn't get to see my real game and all this. And obviously um, I, I know you remember the the more positive side of what you got to see um, of my junior golf experience, but always, you know, tell the story of, of you watching me. And, and for those that don't kind of know, I was not the, was not most highly recruited player. Um, I was one of the best players in the state. Was was recruited, but for a level at Furman, I didn't quite have the resume. Had not played nationally. Had not, you know, wasn't quite there. But I always wanted to go to Furman. I always wanted to play at Furman. Lived down the sh- kind of down the street for most people, I guess. Um, it's what I always wanted. So I always kind of pushed to get you to recruit me. And and um, so obviously, you watching me was that big moment because 
that was the school I really wanted to go to. Um, and end up, you know, it was par five. I'm up by the green, I think, in two and walk away with, I think it was, a, it was a double digits. It was either 11 or 13. Don't remember what it was. It was ugly. Um, you're there watching. My dad's there. Um, you know, I really don't remember what all was going through my head. Um, and I don't remember when we discussed it after the fact about you kind of brought up that was a little bit of a turning point for wanting to recruit me because of how I kind of handled it or whatever. But talk a little bit just about, you know, when they're when the players are out there um, playing and the coach is watching, you know, it's easy to say, just relax, it's not that big a deal. Like, it's easy to say that. But as a player, we've all been there and know that. But what, you know, what are some of the things that you can maybe share from a coach perspective? And like I said, I did it right there in front of you. And, and thankfully for me, it, it still worked out the way it did for a lot of other reasons. But um, share a little bit of insight about that as a coach out watching and, and seeing the players. Well, first of all, the fact that you were green side in two would be, to me, is what I'm looking for first yeah. and foremost. Um, and, you know, I've, I guess I've always been confident enough that I can fix the short game yeah. issues pretty yeah. quickly. So not a big deal to me, but what is a big deal is how do you handle it? How do you handle adversity? What do you do? on the next hole, how do you treat your peers? How do you treat your parents um, going forward from there? And and you've always had the ability to kind of let it roll off your back. So the question would be, is, is it indifference or mm-hmm. is it that happened? It's in the past. Here's what I've got to do going forward. And, and I always felt like you had that ability on the golf course um, to, to write the ship and, and not let it affect you mm-hmm. in a negative way what had just happened so I think that you know, was that lack of days of gratitude that I had <laughs> through a lot of my early days I think of just not of being somewhat unaware of what was really going on I guess in a way yeah. maybe I don't know well I, I mean I I didn't I saw in you the ability to 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 kind of be realistic about it yeah I mean that and it happens to everybody you know at one point or another so you know, it's how you handle it that, that is really the measure of what kind of a student athlete you're going to be. Um, so, you know, that didn't – and and honestly, I need to see that from everybody that I recruit. What, yeah. How are they going to handle adversity? Because that's a huge factor. Yeah. So not a not a bad thing. And, and so and when we talked before we started about the hole-in-one at Charleston, so same thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's you're out of your – sort of zone yeah because you not with the 13 it's depression with the hole in one is um ecstasy mm-hmm. and so you've got to you've got to get back in your present both times yeah. and so that you know i want to see that as well as the ability to make a hole in one yeah. on maybe one of the most difficult <laughs> holes in the world so, I always like to keep it interesting. I yeah. did like to Oh, do absolutely. That, so. And, yeah. you know, you need that on your team, yeah. someone willing to keep it interesting. <laughs> very rarely did I have those boring just rounds of pars. It was always somewhat very interesting. Um, well, what, um, you know, I mean, any other thoughts? Like, I guess, too, when you said that, you know, you want to see that adversity, what's maybe some things that if you do see a player, um, whether it's physically or mentally, do that may, or maybe even as a parent side of things, that might kind of be a little bit more of a turnoff for, you know, both just the type of, uh, you know, player they are in terms of their golf game and or just the type of person they are, what's some things that might, you know, sway you the opposite way in terms of saying, you know, that's just not – 
not for me or they just don't quite have, you know, what I'm looking for. Well, both both Susan and I, when we're recruiting, you know, we'll whether it's good or whether it's bad or, or indifferent, we watch the parents a lot, how they react to what their daughter did. Um, because that, I mean, it's kind of a telltale mm -hmm. sign about what their relationship is and what their expectations are. And, um, and then we, we watch the, the player themselves. Uh, how do they react? What's their body language like um, going forward? So, you know, the, as you know, the, the rules have changed a little bit in the last couple of years. So we're, the recruiting is happening later and later. So we don't get the, the human contact, the communication, but we still get to how many of our years we want to follow them, um, get to watch yeah. that and how it develops. So parenting is very important to us. Um, being part of it, the desire to be a part of a team is very important to us. And, you know, we, I felt like over the last couple of years, we've need, needed to do a better job of, of making sure everybody knew right up front, this is about Alabama golf, mm -hmm. uh, first and foremost. And we want all our girls that want to play the tour to have the best chance possible to be successful out there. Um, but our first priority is, is gratitude for what, yeah. um, they're they're given and the opportunities are given here and winning championships yeah so i think if you know if it all goes back to a, the process for each individual if if that's well established and adhered to they're going to have the best chance they have to be successful after college and we uh, in turn are going to have the same opportunity as a team to be as successful as possible but we want you know, if we got girls that are really good and highly ranked, but they're not into what we're into, mm -hmm. that doesn't neither one of us any good. Yeah. Yes, that's uh, well, I, I think that a little bit of talking about kind of the, the culture and, and among the team, I guess, a good thing. And it's one thing I think that a lot of junior players don't quite understand or, or don't quite get because all they've ever done is kind of played on their high school team. And um, in a lot of cases, maybe we're the only player that was really good and didn't really know what it was like to have to be in a team of girls who are all competitive and, and kind of on the same level and have a little more, um, uh, you know, a little more about, you know, a little more understanding of themselves and their games and that kind of stuff. They've never been that, you know, been in that environment. How do you kind of create that team environment? I know we talked about, I think one of the best teams at Furman actually was uh, one where they all didn't, they didn't get along. I think we, I remember you telling us that story when we were there that they all wanted to be each other so bad that it was almost a little bit of a kind of toxic environment. So obviously mm -hmm. you don't want that, but how do you try to get them all on the same page? And, you know, what are some things maybe some girls can be a little bit more aware of? Um, or how, when the girls just don't seem to get along, you know, where is that line between you know, not being able to force girls to, to get along, but yet create enough of a, of a culture to, to, you know, to make the, make it still a winning team and enjoyable and that kind of thing. Well, you know, something I've learned, and, and I think maybe the most valuable thing I've learned over the last couple of years is, a, is about honesty, respect. I mean, we all know they're important trust they're mm -hmm. important values right but putting them out there yeah with everybody in the room yeah. and understanding these are 
important to our team. These, yeah. are, while they're they're non-negotiables for yeah. our team, and making sure everybody knows that is important, and then acting that way. So if I have a problem with you, we need to talk about it mm-hmm. honestly, and we need to respect each other's difference differences. So you know, we recruit a lot internationally. We're we're very different culturally mm-hmm. and politically and socially. And that's okay. Yeah. And, you know, unless you, you right up front talk about it's okay for them to be different. They don't have to agree with you. And as a matter of fact, if you're open-minded, you might learn something. Yeah. So, you know, I think I've learned that we really need to talk those things through and we need to make sure that it's kind of plastered in the front of everybody's mind that that's what this program is about. That's what our values are. And, you know, I, I think it's something that probably should have done a long time mm-hmm. ago, but, you know, you're always learning. So. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think that's what you and I talked about when I, again, when I think about, you know, some of the things that maybe, you know, if the environment had been a certain way when I was in school, you know, I might have, you know, might not have gone out and, and done some of the, the stupid stuff I did or, or whatever that might be. But again, that's the whole point in you know, you, you learn and as a coach, as a player, as a person, you know, everybody, hopefully you're learning and you're trying to adjust it and get better. Cause I think that was one of the biggest things with us among the team is we definitely had a lot of different, we had different, very uh, diverse from a religion perspective. We had very diverse just in terms of, you know, how everybody approached work, um, boys and relationships like it you know it was it was a pretty interesting mix and and Mm -hmm. a lot of times we did do just fine but there you know I think there was um everybody somewhat maybe felt like they were on just different pages for like what you know what really was the goal and the fact that you got to understand that everybody's going to get there in a different way but yet there has to be that level of respect and that level of understanding and you know maybe somewhat on the same page with certain things or whatever It, it it for me especially I know it was a big um, a big adjustment coming from small town, even though Furman was still a small school and fairly kind of conservative in, in certain ways, obviously not very conservative in other ways, but, um, but going into that, I mean, we had, you know, we didn't have any international players, but, um, you know, just having to learn to, to adjust to that. And I think that is the hardest thing I think from, especially for golf, because you're coming from such an individual background and you're thrown into a team. And, and I think everybody, I think that's one of the biggest things I, I asked a lot of my girls who are uh, current freshmen right now, you know, what's, or freshmen and sophomores, what's been the toughest thing and, you know, the biggest adjustment thing you didn't think about as a junior player. And, and that's a lot of it is just that understanding of teammates. And, um, you know, that was just such a big, mm-hmm. and I don't know if there's any way to prepare for that. I mean, I think some people might have different, um, different high school teams, or maybe they came from an academy. Some may have, prepared in some ways just naturally for it but I think that is the biggest um biggest adjustment um from a player perspective that I don't know that you can totally prepare for but somewhat just being ready for it I guess to a degree yeah I think you know in the recruiting process if families know what Mm -hmm. our values are yeah and then they you decide whether you fit into them and and I mean there have been girls that I'd say I I don't think you need to come here yeah. if you don't agree with these things. Yeah. And I don't, it, when it comes to those things that are non-negotiables, I don't care how good you are yeah. because it's probably not going to work. Yeah. So, um, you know, I wish I'd kind of learned those lessons a little earlier, but, yeah. you know, 
Well, I kind of wish you maybe did too, but again, no, I'm just kidding. But again, like I said, I, I know I joke about that, but there's, there's, but I mean, in a way, like I said, I think that's what just this whole world is about. You can't, you know, like I said, you can't fault anybody for not, you know, that's why you continue to do what you do to get better. I mean, there were so many ways that I got better and, you know, was able to adjust and, and that's why I got to go out and play on tour, you know, so that if not, I, if I had gone up to tell the other story of my backup option, I would have probably never even had a chance to play out on tour because I wouldn't have had the the kind of push to get better. I wouldn't have had you there to help me get better, you know, no knock on the my backup option, but it was a new program. It was a, a newer coach. Like I would have not had that. So there's mm-hmm. always, you know, kind of two sides to everything that, um, you know, well, this was the alternative that, that that's the route I could have ended up going. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that definitely wouldn't have been a good fit for me. Well, so. I'm not, and, and again, I'm not sure we jo- we do joke about yeah. it, but yeah. I'm not sure that you didn't intuit some of those things and know, yeah. you know, what you could do and what you couldn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, college is the best time of your life, yeah. so you want to enjoy it too. And you look at, you know, you mentioned Sarah. You look at someone like Sarah and her, you know, journey from freshman to senior yes. year, and, yeah. and, you know, she virtually walked on and mm-hmm. became a pretty good tour player. Yeah. So, I mean, they're the things that are exciting to see, but – you know, well, then if, you got the reverse with, unfortunately, with you know Simi who came in, came in and did mm-hmm. everything right and you know by the book and you know um, and it goes the opposite way. So that, yeah. I think that's the thing. Like that's where you just got to let things play out the way they do and, and see what you can learn to from the present time how to maybe do a little bit better, I guess too. And I think she's a doctor, so yeah. So I think things <laughs> worked out pretty well for yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. but it, it's like I said, it's a couple of examples that I always use of both of those of how different of a mix we had coming in. We mm-hmm. had, you know, number one player in the world that was, you know, gosh, she was everything she did was 110% workouts, studying. Even when she did go out and do stuff, everything was like 110% to what she was doing at the time. Uh, she didn't know anything other than golf and, and playing, you know, practicing hard. Um, and then, like I said, then you get a, you know, Sarah total walk on, and, and then I was kind of that in between and, and how it all kind of played itself out it's it's just uh I, I think that's one of the things that that not that I struggle with but that families that I work with struggle with they all want this like one path they you know and obviously your success with helping players go out on the LPJ tour um you know I, I get these parents who want to know like well what do we need to do to like you know what does it take this checklist of things and I always just have to say there's not this like there are some things that you can certainly be doing that are going to help, and there's some things you can certainly be doing that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt, but in between all that is such a gray area yeah. of what works and what doesn't. Um, you know, again, I'm more from the level of just trying to help them get to the collegiate level, but I guess you know, like I said you've had such a success of, of helping them go out onto the LPJ tour. What do you think during their time? I know for me, one of the things I probably took away um, because even though like I said, even though I might not have had as much like you can't do this, you can do that, you can't do this, but it taught me how to be in, in, a lot more independent and not have to rely on you as much and not have to, you know, to, to just have a little more self-sustainability, even though I still went out on tour and was extremely not ready mentally and, and you know, that kind of thing. But I think, to me, that was a little bit of it, was you're not the type that just sat there and, like, handheld us through, you know, a lot of it was if you need my help, you come, you know, you come ask for it kind of thing. It wasn't... I'm going to force you to do this. You, you know, you did create that like self, um, self desire and self motivation. And instead of forcing somebody to do something just because you wanted them to. So I think for me, that was a big part of it. I think was, it was always about 
whether I wanted to do it and, and, you know, I wanted the help, it was there. Probably didn't, like I said, use the help as much as I should. Um, but what do you see that you do with players um, that obviously does have some success for them, not just being good collegiate players, but being able to go on and, you know, and play and, and have successful, or even, you know, I know some of us that just got, you know, at least had the chance to get out there and then some who had really successful careers. Well, it's interesting. So I think we figured 21 tour players. Yeah, right? 21, yeah. Um, but Cheyenne Knight won last fall on the LPJ tour as our first um, from, win. Okay. Right. Um, from Alabama players anyway. But so, I, you know, I have to ask myself, what, what can we do better? Yeah. So that not only are they getting on tour, they're winning on tour, they're making a good living. Um, and, you know, you have to play really well, as you know, out there oh, yeah. to make a good living. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what can we do better to to help them to be more successful? But, you know, and again, it's so individual. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses. Um, you have to be a great putter. You cannot survive you you can't out ball strike your putting out there, um, so you know that would be the first thing technically I would look at. Um, you know I think length helps, although it's not like in men's golf. I don't think it's yeah. as necessary. Um, it's just hard to be short now. I yeah. think you, there were for a while. I think you could be a shorter player and get away with it. I think now you at least. Yeah have to be what would be considered average yeah. or longer I feel like well you know and and, and I in in women's college golf it's really important to drive it in the fairway yeah because especially in big tournaments SEC national championship regionals you're going to see rough that is hard to dig your ball out of and strength becomes a factor so driving in the fairway is really important but when you get a, to the LPGA level not only are people long, but they also drive in the yeah. fairway. Yeah. So, and you, know, you get that, well, you get that little bit extra roll sometimes on a little bit better, pristine fairways and, yeah. and that kind of stuff than in college golf. But yeah, you better keep it in the fairway. If not, you're gonna get penalized real quick. So you know, I, I would say your ability to to drive the ball where you need to for you to score. Yeah, um, is important. Having a shot shape you can depend on under pressure is really important. And, I mean, I just can't talk enough about short game. Yeah. So the difference on tour is, like, if we go play a college tournament and we come back here and you go to class and you got a couple weeks in between, being able to travel, mm-hmm. stay rested, you know, a lot of them have to make their own travel arrangements. So the things that – the feedback I get from our, our girls that have played professionally is that's the hard part. Yeah. I remember Brooke Pancake calling Susan and I. And she said, I was in the rental car place for four hours and I couldn't rent a car. And you guys did all this for me. And I didn't yeah. I didn't realize how hard it is. I mean, maybe we need to do a better job of, of letting them know how hard it yeah. is. But, you know, you've, when you're in college, you pretty much got it made. You do. I joke. And I know college life is not, is not easy. I know, you know, it's, it's stressful. It's, it's tough. It's an, an adaptation and everything. But I tell all the girls, I was like, I promise you, whether you go out and play on, especially if you go out and play on tour and you kind of stay a little bit in that, that world, um, you realize how much in a lot of ways you did have it made. I mean, mm-hmm. when you're out, I luckily my dad did travel with me my, you know, my first year on tour and helped a lot with the travel and, and did help. So I think that helped a tremendous amount with my kind of transition, but at the same time, it might've helped. I look at some things where maybe I 
should have had to do it myself to get better, to, to learn. learn how. Yeah. You know, my, my dad was great. My parents, we talk a lot about this. You know, they maybe enabled a little bit of my lack of ownership and maturity or whatever. Not on, again, not on purpose by any means, just wanting to, wanting to help. But that, that did. But then once you're out there and you are and you're traveling and you're doing all that, it, it is hard if you don't have a little bit of that kind of go-getter, make things happen, willing to ask questions, willing to, you know, do things, then it can, can definitely eat you up, whether you're top of your game out there or whether you're, you know, still just trying to make it. It, um, it is. So I think that's some of the kind of where you joke about or, or joke where people talk about, you know, you don't learn how to do taxes and stuff like that in high school. It's kind of the same thing. I think in college you are kind of learning how to play, and then maybe you don't realize if you are going to play on tour, you didn't learn how to you know, plan your travel. And, you know, when things do go wrong on flights – you as a coach are the one who goes and, and figures it out. It's not the player who has to go stand in line right. for two hours and wait, you know, to figure out how to get the next flight or mm. how do we rent a car and certainly learn that over time. Um, especially if you're playing, you know, the mini tours and, and, and really doing it yourself and, and struggling. I mean, it is, it's, it's tough. And then you're supposed to just put it all aside and go play and know that, you know, you spend all that money getting there and you don't play well enough, you know, people, I always, like I said, it's, it's a great life, but it is definitely not, for everybody when it comes down to all the, the ins and outs and the, you know. Well, people fall in, um, young ladies that are thinking of playing the tour fall in love with the idea of having their sponsors on their shirts, right? Mm -hmm. And so that just understanding there's more to it than yeah. that, I think, yeah. is a, a big hurdle. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I said, and, and just knowing to appreciate what you have in college golf. And yes, again, it's not to, to downplay that it is stressful. I mean, it is a huge adjustment. It is, um, you know, so many ups and downs to being a, a collegiate athlete and, and the pressure there is definitely a lot of that, but um, they will see when they, you know, get out of there and get into whatever the real world setting is mm -hmm. of how much you do have a lot. It, it is a pretty good life when you get to be a college yeah. athlete. And, and, and in college you have two jobs, which, I think we sometimes understate, you know, that having to go to school, mm -hmm. having to do, I mean, we, we ask them to do well, yeah. we ask them to do their best. And, and also, you know, you're a full-time athlete too. Yeah. So you have to do both. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it is, it's a lot. It's, uh, and even college golf isn't for everybody. I, I love what I do and in trying to help the players stay on track to do that. But I've had several instances where it's, whether they realize it on their own or, or just whatever, that college golf isn't what they want to do. You know, it's not – sometimes it's just they didn't find the right fit maybe. But in other cases, once it all came down to what, you know, what it was going to take and all that, they just realized, you know what, this is not what I want to do. And that's totally okay too because um, mm -hmm. it's, it's it's definitely not for everybody on both both sides of the, the equation. Right. Um, well, I know we've kind of – on all a couple of different um different directions but a couple of just things just to kind of wrap it up and a couple of things that obviously this was a little bit different episode because you know i can look back on my time with you and you know we could both talk about what we you know lessons learned and all that so i guess maybe share um a couple of different things here one of the things is you know what has been maybe one of the biggest lessons you've learned um as we said 30 you say 35 37 years um what has been one of maybe the biggest lessons you've learned um, through all of your coaching time that you know, maybe you do wish you would have known maybe early on or, or just any one thing that stands out maybe? I think flexibility in how I treat each player mm -hmm. is probably the biggest thing. Um, and, you know, the understanding that 
no no two people are the same yeah. no two people ingest information the same and so that you know coaches need to be good communicators mm -hmm. and they need to do it in a variety of ways and understand what the person before them needs yeah not what they want but what they need yeah. yes. <laughs> they're two di completely Those different, are two things, different right? things yes yes um, that's probably the biggest thing. Um, gosh, what else? I'm trying to think of, like I said, some of the things I think back to the difference in even what I've seen. I had a family, and it's a player who's coming, who will be coming here. Asked me, you know, what, what my, you know, my thoughts were on you as a coach, and I'm like, well, honestly, I don't want to tell you what my experience was with him because if people, if he judged me as a business person off of somehow I was as a player like I would feel like that wasn't fair so if I sit here and tell you not that I would have you know it would have been anything negative but you know or anything but if I sit here and tell you what my relationship was that might not sound like it's a good fit for this particular player I was like but that's why you know I would assume and and from what we talked about that you know everybody's continuing to grow and change and adapt and that who you were to me as a coach is probably not the same to who you are to the you know last 15 20 years with girls um there are trends and part of what I do is to help players kind of find that fit but I can't base 20 years ago because like I said I certainly would hope that if so you would probably never tell every player out there to not like go seek my advice or you know anything like that but um you know that that to me I guess was something that um when they asked that you know was just that you know the whole point is to continue to learn and, and, and grow and adjust and, and, you know, still, there's still probably plenty of the same values and qualities and stuff that we both I'm sure had 20 years ago that mm -hmm. hopefully still were ones that you wanted to stick by, but then also trying to just learn how to be a better coach. And, you know, for me, if I was playing, it would be how to continue to be a better player, just become players. Well, you know, and I would say my, my desire would be if you answered that to say, I can't really tell you yeah. because I don't know you. Yeah. Yes. well enough to know how he's going to coach you. Yeah. Um, and that's that's very different than when you were in school, I think. You probably could have eat more easily told them what I was like. Yeah. But I, th I think I'm different mm -hmm. to every girl on this team. And, you know, the, the other thing is just being uh, – I feel like I'm really honest with mm -hmm. our players. And I, and I tell them all oh, at the beginning of the year, like, I'm going to tell you in the most honest terms possible what we need to do yeah and you're not going to like it sometimes yeah. because it's not what you want yeah and you know you can take it for what it's worth if, if you want to achieve your goals this is what you'll have to do and yeah. if you don't care then you don't have to do it yeah but i will recruit over you if that's yeah. a good start. <laughs> yeah so um because in the end, I get paid to, to win yeah. golf tournaments yeah. and produce tour players and do well in school. So our standards are high. Mm -hmm. And so, I, again, in the recruiting process, one thing you must know is our standards are high. Yeah. They're high for our team and our accomplishments and our academic accomplishments, but they're high for you as a, as a student athlete on our team and how you represent the university. And um, I want you to be high achieving no matter what you choose to do. Yeah. Um, that's kind of all we ask. Yeah. You know, don't don't just try to be average. Yes, yeah. Uh, 
it's uh it's a good um well it, that was actually what i was going to ask is is there any you know you just like you said don't try to be just average i think that's what um you can't you can't live a life that's average wanting to be somebody that's you know that's above average i guess either i think that's that's probably my big one of the biggest lessons i've learned was trying to like I said, I think that's my, again, not the regret, but one of my biggest lessons is you can't have goals and, and things you want to do and think that you're going to live, you know, live average if, if you're planning to, to be above average or do something great or whatever it might be. Um, well, and, and if it's going to be fulfilling, yeah. like you can yeah. have unlimited amount of money and be really comfortable, but is that fulfilling yeah. to you? Yeah. So, what you know, what I want each one of these girls to communicate to me is what's going to be fulfilling mm-hmm. for them. And then, okay, here's what you need to do, and I'm going to help you every step of the way yeah. achieve that. Yeah. Well, with helping them kind of learn the lessons, like I said, well, I got two more things I wanted to kind of ask you, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. But with talking about kind of that, is there any kind of go-to resources or um, you know books or people that you've kind of learned from or that you suggest your players kind of read or, or listen to or anything like that? Are there any kind of those go-to resources that might help on and off the golf course for those players. Well, I, you mentioned Vision Fifty Four, mm-hmm. so um, we've spent some time with Lynn and Pia, and I think any one of their books mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yes. Um, I'd probably, if I were going to recommend someone starting, I'd, I'd start with Be a Player because a lot of the others are encapsulated in that. Um, and you know, if, I think at our level, and we're in a day and time where technical instruction. Mm-hmm is a big thing and social media puts it out there every day sometimes i just think the game is a lot more simple than we make it and look i've I've watched lynn and pia at a school make a 27 handicap into a 15 without giving one piece of technical instruction i loved it was game changer for me just a little bit too late but yeah yeah so I think their books are good. Um, my favorite book is um, Mindset by Carol Dweck. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if you can grasp that concept, and if you don't have a growth mindset, mm-hmm. then um, well, there's a blast from the past. Yes. <laughs> um, then you're probably going to have a hard time yes. um, achieving what you want to achieve. And, you know, from there... It's you know I think it's a little difficult to to learn entirely from books because mm-hmm. you don't get your hands on a golf club. Yeah, it all or, sounds great when you're reading it and mm-hmm. you take notes and everything, but application of it, especially yeah. at that age, I think maturity wise, it's hard to to apply it without somebody making you apply it or the accountability to apply it. I think, especially at a young age. And there are a lot of uh, diagnostic tools out there that you know there's there's still controversy about is is TrackMan good? Is TrackMan yeah. not good? Well. If you use it properly, it can't be bad. Yeah, yeah. And it's different for different people, but you must know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good, you know, we got eight players and two coaches. Um, TrackMan can be with probably four of our players, and they're they can practice with it, and they know what they're they're looking for, yeah. and um, someone doesn't have to be standing there with them the whole time. So, uh, Sam Putt Lab, we we use and. Um, we're gonna we're probably gonna be renovating pretty soon here, and we'll have about everything that you could ever want. Um, so having that th- those instruments is important as long as you know what you're doing with them. 
and you know the other thing that we provide here is is constant competition you know there's nothing better than being challenged every day and you know we i think back to emma tally and stephanie meadow um on our team the british amateur champion and the u.s amateur champion on the same team if you can beat them Mm -hmm. you you can you can play right um Lauren Stevenson graduated last year. She had the lowest scoring average in the history of um, NCAA women's golf. Kristen Gilman's a two-time U.S. amateur champion. If you can beat them, yeah. you can play with anybody. Yeah. So, you know, I I always stress in recruiting, look, if you want to be challenged and you want to compete, we're always going to provide that for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one thing I tell a lot of players that you get, especially in a good environment, college golf, and some I think definitely see that is they talk about how it's it's a constant competition. They're constantly having to grind. Definitely not something they're used to in junior golf because, again, you can try to simulate that all you want to, but if you're out there practicing by yourself, I'm always trying to kind of give them different ways to, to simulate that. Um, again, tell my, you know, when coaches are watching, how can you simulate you know a little bit more kind of nervous situations and stuff like that, but that is something that is hard to – an environment is hard to create in junior golf that, that you get in college that I think some get a little over, overwhelmed by because they just feel like they're constantly like, you know, two hours of practice or whatever is so much more intense because it's a constant competition. But that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's how I love doing my, my workouts and my training is kind of the same thing of just constantly having, you know, not necessarily always a who wins and who loses kind of thing, but just who's getting better and, and who's, you know. Even if it's against yourself. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's um, it's trying to instill that environment so much, and, and I said it's hard to do it at the junior golf level, um, but um, always trying to come up with ways to, to kind of get yourself out of the comfort zone or, you know, play with people you don't know or play with people who are better than you. And, you know, you can't play for money or anything, but putting something on the line, you know, drills, all those different kind of things are such, so much, like I said, so important but it's not as it's it's easy when you do have a team and a coach kind of doing it for you i guess well it's it's interesting like my biggest problem has been okay so if you're the best player here Mm -hmm. you need to play golf and you need to compete but it's really easy to just kind of get to the next tournament so what can i do every day to make that girl strive for something when we go play yeah it's a, it's a constant battle. But in your case, like you got clients that are from here to here, mm-hmm. um, a, a wide variety. So they need to end up at a place where it stretches them, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, it doesn't slap them in the yeah. face every yeah. day. And if you're not if you're not playing in tournaments, then you're going to have a hard time improving. You got to be able mm-hmm. to go. You got to go someplace where you can play. Yeah. Um, and it yeah. might be number five, and you're trying to get to number one. But if you're sitting home every week yeah. for four years, yeah. you're probably not going to get better. I mean, it doesn't take more than a, a year. And, I mean, injuries, those kinds of things are one thing. But just a year of sitting out is hard to adjust. In golf especially, you know, you mm-hmm. get other sports, football, where you're still training, you're still working out, you're not missing. When you're missing competition with golf more than just, you know, six months or so, it's it's right. hard to – just because, I mean, college golf is – it's four years and – a kid I think feels like that's such a long time but it's really a much shorter window you don't have as much time to play and practice and get better like you think you do Mm -hmm. um so just one little chunk out of that makes such a big you know takes just a big huge gap out of your development that's just hard to come back from um actually it's funny we were talking about um yeah I know I've said we're gonna wrap this up a couple times but um 
I remember, and I don't remember which national championship it was, and I remember recording it off the TV because you said um, you try to make practice so hard that playing in a tournament seems easy. Mm-hmm. I remember recording that and posting it on social media or something that um, that I think that is such a thing that, again, junior golfers don't get. Tournaments all of a sudden seem so hard because their practice mm-hmm. is so easy. They don't understand what it's like to try to kind of flip that a little bit and their practice time be what's so tough and challenging. And when they get ready to go play – you know, not that it's going to be easy, but it feels easier because they've been, you know, been grinding and, and been pushed to test things and, and compete and everything before they get there. Junior golf, I, it's 100% the opposite, I mm-hmm. feel like. Um, but I do, that just came to mind as something like I said. It was within the past couple of years of, of one of the interviews that I think Golf Channel did. Um, it's easier said than done, but, yeah, you know, that's yeah. what we practice today. I mean, I, I've got to come up with some, some challenging things. Yeah to make a tournament seem yeah easy yes yeah i think it's a, a great way to to tr- attempt to to practice with mu- at least as much as you can mm-hmm. um all right this is the last question i promise and it's only because this is one that i asked everybody last year that i know everybody really got a kick out of um and i didn't prepare you for this one um but what out of all you know the coaching and, and there may be one that stands out some people it's been a yearly thing but what's one of the the most fun funniest comical kind of uh, memories that you have yeah I said I think every other coach I might have given them a little bit of heads up because they saw the list of questions but we went totally off script on all of our questions but this is one that um, I do want to hear what you have to say with what's been what's something that stands out I said some it's been a yearly thing where they do you know April Fool's is a funny thing or something others it's been a recruiting trip Um, I think it was um Oh, Coach Airline up at Wisconsin, I think, was talking about when he fell off of his stool, I think, was his story, I think. So many of them. So. Well, now, if you bring I'm up really, something funny about me, that is going to be embarrassing. I might, uh, my I memory doesn't go yes, back that far, Brandy. Well, no. Yeah, I, I, mine does, unfortunately. But um, Well, no. most of them I can't repeat. Yeah. So that's, that's the problem. But the, the thing that's made me laugh the hardest is probably this past Christmas. Mm-hmm. When and I'll show you after we finish, but okay. the the girl's gift to me yeah. was a what do they call when you you can get the life size images and you, the uh, fat heads fat or whatever head, yes fat head that's cardboard funny. cutout of me that's funny um and you know so I close my eyes I put it in front of me and I'm like oh my god that's funny I can so it's in the the lounge in here yeah. and still every time I walk in there I'm like yeah. Um, but the nice thing is I'm 5'8", in that I'm 6'1". There you go. So I really like that. That's I got to check that out, yeah. They did one of Susan. It's only her head, though. But it's this, like, kind of sour-looking yeah. face. And Well, you did always tend to have that uh, that kind of um... – I can, I can, in my mind, without even seeing it, I can kind of see what that look might be that they might have picked out, I feel like. Oh, I'm smiling. But yeah. Susan, okay. and, and so interestingly, she knows the picture it came from. Yeah. And it was on, like, the 16th tee at the national championship that we won. Yeah. And she's like, and Brooke is telling her a joke. Gotcha. So we're thinking the joke wasn't very good. Yeah. Um, so Susan wasn't laughing, but... Um, I was gonna say, I figured they got you in like a serious. I can remember our. I can remember being on the plane ride somewhere and you asking us what uh, about your recruiting habits and and what you could do better, you know, to come across from like recruiting or whatever. And because everybody always said that like 
they didn't think you liked you didn't like them you know that you always and I remember a player, I had a player that you did you know you were recruiting or something that said that and I was like that's he may not but that is definitely kind of his um you know he's not gonna let you know that that he he will let you know that he wants you and likes you but for a long time you're probably not going to think that just because that's well uh, continually the girls tell us that to Susan and I that when we have sunglasses on yeah we look like we're really serious. Yeah, yeah, I can but, see that. Uh, and so it's kind of interesting because when they get here, they're surprised yeah, yeah. Um, at our sense of humor. Yes. And that we're not mean at all. Yeah. So, yeah, um, maybe the most sort of embarrassing to me because I'm not good at stuff like this, but we won the Annika Invitational last year, year before last. And um, so we didn't know this, but when you are defending champion you sing take me out to the ball game at the minnesota twins game in the seventh inning stretch so we had we had to go down there with the team and annika Mm -hmm. and maria fossey who was the annika award winner and sing take me out to the ball games i'm like this is not my thing yeah yeah. but so ryan was very my son ryan was very critical of me but they won so he's going he to be down to, there singing oh, "Take Me yeah, Out to the Ball Game" yeah, next that's year, right, that's which right, I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know between the two of you who I can see hating that more. You or <laughs> me, or probably. Ryan. Yeah, 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 probably. Yeah. He's more of a new age guy. Yeah, you know? I think so. Yeah. However, his he's I don't know. He's definitely got that same kind of demeanor that um, yeah. that stern. Um, God, it's so well. Fun. The girls say I walk. We walk just alike too. Although yes. I don't see yeah. that, but yeah. I think so. Yeah. What what I've seen. So, so funny. All the good memories. Well, I know I've taken up a lot of your time already. And like I said, y'all do have practice, but I really appreciate you sitting down and and chatting with me and taking, you know, just being able to look back on, um, you know, what we both kind of learned. And, and I said, not to in any way downplay what I know for me, what I learned from you and in the growth and and being able to get better and, and develop. I mean, it's a big, you know, probably the main reason that I did get the chance to go out and play on tour and I didn't have the success out there, but that was, you know, was my dream and it was play at Furman and and you gave me that chance to do that. And, and I know that, you know, I definitely did not maybe take, take it as serious and appreciate it the way I should have, but it certainly still the end of the day was the the big turning point for, for my career after that Um, and getting the chance to play out on tour and and the support and the coaching that, that you gave was, um, you know, was just something that I will always be, grateful for um we'll always have a little bit of uh like I said that that kind of regret or just feel bad that I didn't didn't commit more on my end of the thing uh you shouldn't now you shouldn't though because you're able to pass on to your clients yes what you wish you'd done differently and you know that's going to benefit them that can be your legacy that's very true yes it's what I'm working on what I'm trying to do um it's all I can do now is to try to help make help somebody else not maybe make some of the the same mistakes or you know and have a maybe even just a little bit more success and, and do a little bit more because like i said i had an awesome time had an awesome career and had a great life so uh you know it, it definitely could have been far worse and, mm-hmm. and i'm 100 grateful and appreciative of it now um and all that you did and all that you have done and, and for all the girls and all of us that you know that, that played for you at Furman and the girls here at alabama and everything have just been extremely lucky to have you as a coach and everything and again i thank you for sitting down and, and chatting and and 
going through all this with well, me. Well, I thank you for driving all the way down here because this wouldn't be nearly as much fun in per- if it weren't in person. It so. wouldn't. Like I said, if you li- if you could hear probably how many times on the episodes last year that and as much as I wanted to do this one early, I was like, I want to get some episodes in. I want to get comfortable doing this. And then me and Mick are going to sit down in front of each other and we're going we're going to talk. So that was kind of the whole thing was I wanted to come down and do it because it's not doing it over the, the phone's just not um, not as much fun and, and everything. So um well, thank it. you, and you know I've got to give you a roll tide. <laughs> yeah, well, I think both uh, roll tide and go tigers are, are both a little a even little though even right though you, you did me the the service of not bringing your Clemson cup. I did, so. <laughs> yes, I know, I did at least do that much. Again, and again, like I said, I think we're all a little bruised and battered after this year. Is both Alabama we'll be and back. Tigers? Yes, right. Yes, maybe this time next year I'll come back and have another episode, and maybe. It'll be another rematch between Alabama. Yeah, you should come like year. beginning of January before the championship game and play yeah. each other. That that sounds good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Brandy. That was so much fun to sit down and have that conversation with Mick um, and just talk about our player-coach relationship and, and how we both evolved over time. I hope you all enjoyed listening in. And thankfully, Mick didn't tell too many of my deep, dark secrets. I might have made him sign a contract before we started. No, totally kidding. But just very grateful that he sat down with me. And I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did and and were able to take a few things away from it. And again, if you have um, any questions or want to learn more about Brandy Jackson Goff, be sure to visit www.brandyjacksongoff.com.